welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushville. I'm your host for this week's magazine. This is Sound Prince for the week of June 25, 2017. The 72nd KSB Alumni Association Conference and Reunion is coming up August 4 and 5 at the Ramada Inn North here in Louisville. The pre-registration information and form are going in the mail by Wednesday, June 28. If you are not on the alumni mailing list and you would like to receive the information, please give us a call at 502-897-1472 as soon as possible. The ACB Conference and Convention begins on Friday, June 30, and concludes on Friday, July 7. There will be no sound prints for Sunday, July 2, as we will be preempted by the convention broadcasts on ACB Radio. It's easy to listen to convention broadcasts. Just visit acbradio.org or call 605-475-8130 from any telephone. ACB Radio is also available on TuneIn Radio on your smartphone or through the Alexa, Amazon Echo, Dot, or Tap. Just ask Alexa to play ACB Radio Mainstream on TuneIn or ACB Radio Live Event on TuneIn. Here's a quick look at what you can hear from the ACB Convention. Remember that all times are Pacific. Add two hours for Central Time, three hours for Eastern Time. The opening general session of the convention is on Saturday, July 1 at 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern. Other general sessions are Sunday through Wednesday from 8.30 a.m. Pacific to noon. The day-long business session with elections is on Thursday beginning at 8.30 a.m. Pacific. All general sessions will be broadcast on ACB Radio Mainstream and Live Event. The broadcast will be repeated around the clock until the next day on ACB Radio Mainstream. The following programs will be broadcast live from the convention. Hear them on ACB Live Event. They will be rebroadcast as time permits and will be available for download from acbradio.org slash acbconvention2017 or acbradio.org slash ACB-Events, E-V-E-N-T-S. The Information Access Committee Workshop will be Saturday, July 1, from 1.15 to 4 p.m. Pacific. The Future of Older Blind Program, sponsored by the ACB Rehabilitation Task Force and the Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss, is Sunday, July 2, 2.45 to 4 p.m. Candidates Forum, Tuesday, July 4, 5.45 to 7 p.m. FIA Performing Arts Showcase, Tuesday, July 4, 8 to 11.30 p.m. on ACB Radio Cafe. Writing That Wins Awards from the Board of Publications, Wednesday, July 5, 1.15 to 2.30 p.m. 2017 ACB Membership Seminar, Wednesday, July 5, 2.45 to 4 p.m. ACB Banquet, Thursday, July 6, 7 to 10 p.m. These programs will be recorded and played on live event during convention week. They will repeat as time permits. Saturday, July 1. Put the fun in fundraising from the Resource Development Committee. Sunday, July 2. Library Users of America program and meeting. 
The Future Ride, Uber and Lyft meet self-driving cars. Get up close and personal with the Orbit Reader 20. FIA Prose and Poetry Reading. Monday, July 3. GDUI Program. Hearing, Health, and Isolation from SASE, the Sight and Sound Impaired Committee. A mock trial regarding the rights of guide dog handlers. On Tuesday, July 4, GDUI Program. Passport to New Worlds from the International Relations Committee. Combined Programming on Tuesday, July 4, from LUA, BRL, the American Association of Blind Teachers, Friends in Art, and the Information Access Committee. Audio Description Accessibility and Technology, and Audio Description Advocacy, all on July 4. Wednesday, July 5, Sister Power Breakfast from the Women's Concerns Committee, the GDUI Luncheon and Meeting, and the GDUI Evening Session. We've been telling you about changes at OFB. Cora McNabb is the acting director of OSB, but she isn't new to the agency. Get to know Cora on page 2. Darren Harbour's new theater troupe, The Imagine Blind Players, is made up of blind and visually impaired actors. Imagine Blind Players just completed its first professional production at the Bristol Bar and Grill here in Louisville. The Bristol is a well-known restaurant sort of the place to be seen here in town, and Darren visits on page 3 to review the successful first season of the troupe and tell us what's in store for them in the coming months. And on page 4 is the Sound Prince calendar. Page 2. Cora McNabb is the new acting director of the Kentucky Office for the Blind. She moved into that position on May 1 after Allison Flanagan retired at the end of April. And we're visiting with her today to talk about OFB, uh, where we are, and maybe a little bit about where we might be going. So welcome, Cora. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here with you. Cora, first of all, let's just um, tell us a little bit about your background in rehab. I know that you've been with OFB for a number of years, and I've kind of always thought of you as the paper person. So so tell us, tell us about your background. Well, for around 14 years, I was with a nonprofit in the southern Indiana area, and mm-hmm. I was a director, and we were housed in the neighborhood center, and I oversaw several programs, employment programs, supported employment, an assistive technology program, interpreting services for the deaf, and that was really where I guess I cut my teeth, you might say, and gained a lot of experience um, in that position. And I really, really loved my job, but we moved to out in Spencer County in Kentucky, so that's what brought me to the state. And now I've been with the Office for the Bind for about 11 years. And you're right, I have done a lot of the paper <laughs> writing, grant writing, yes. and the state plan, and but overall for about 24 years I've been in the field of rehabilitation. Yeah, you're always the person that is right on top of state plan issues, um, the client satisfaction survey, I mean, if it has to do with, or if there's compliance issues, I mean, 
you're just the person that kind of knows those things, and at least at the SRC, um, bring us those kinds of reports. And I'm always amazed at how excited you can be over what I think is so dull. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, those things are important because they kind of take you through, you know, an assessment process of the agency as a whole. And, And if what we are doing is the right thing, is it being done correctly? And where is that going to take us? Right. You know, in the future. Yes, and, and if it's not done tra- correctly, then the future sometimes may not be too bright. Exactly. So it is. It's an extremely important thing. So with all that background, now you are uh, kind of sitting in that chair where you have to, once again, be overseeing all of these programs. Um, the The agency is really multifaceted, and... So um, now it's 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 back to all these other kinds of things too, the counseling and the um, the uh, I would think the independent living program. There's the bioptic program. There's the McDowell Center. I mean, there's a little bit of everything in the agency. Yes, there is, and fortunately, we have a lot of really good staff in the field that do a good job at delivering those services. So that makes my job a little bit easier. Right. The um, the agency in the last few years has seen a number of cuts as far as the available dollars that are there. Sometimes even if the dollars are, are the same, there still can be cuts in the amount of dollars that are available for services because of maybe policy changes in the state, Um, the need for different kinds of staffing or whatever. So at this point in time, the, um, the order of selection has been implemented, as we've talked about this in the past on several occasions here on SoundPrints. Um, but let's just review, it kind of just give an over, overview of of where we are right now. We only have Category 1 open. And so for the person listening out there that may not be familiar with Category 1 and what that means, what what does that mean? Who can be served at this point and who goes on a waiting list? Well, right now on the waiting list, we have about 74 individuals that are on the waiting list. And, you know, they they are... We have about 32 that are sitting in that priority category two, and mm-hmm. um, then you know a, a similar amount that are kind of spread out over priority category three and four. We have four priority categories, and it doesn't mean that those individuals aren't eligible for services. It just means those categories are closed at this time, and whenever a, a state does not have enough money or staff resources, then they can implement an order of selection. So right now, Category 1 is the category that is open, and that just, you know, is simply that we're serving those with the most significant disabilities Uh that require, you know, more services over time and have more functional limitations in mobility, um, you know, direction, those areas. So a person that comes in may just need one one service or one piece 
of one type of help in order to go to school or to go to work or whatever. That case could not be served at this time that would go on the waiting list? Correct. How many services do they need in order to be served under Category 1? They need two services. Mm -hmm. So that would be something like O&M or... Um, assistive technology, job mm -hmm. placement, mm -hmm. guidance and counseling. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So that, that, that's still pretty broad, the, the kinds of services that the person might need. Um, still fall into a pretty wide range, but um, it, it, that does mean that they have, to, they have to require more than just, say, a new pair of glasses. So. Correct. And that is strictly caused, that's not because someone just doesn't want to serve them, that strictly happens because there's just not enough money right now to serve all the cases. Correct. Part of that lack of money can be created by uh, the, the, that the legislature doesn't appropriate enough money to allow us to draw down all of our federal dollars. Um, we've talked a lot about not having enough state dollars to, for every state dollar we get, we can get, is it $3.69 in federal money? Close to that. You're yeah, and you'd think that, you'd think that um, the legislator would say, oh good, well, that's a pretty good investment, pretty good return on our dollars, but um, we have still experienced cuts in our budget, and so hopefully we can somehow um, make that a little better. It's going to, it takes work and it's a slow in coming, but we can just hope. Um, Coral, looking, looking ahead to the next few months um, and maybe into the next year, um, do you see, do you see any um, changes, anything that we could um, look for, you know, maybe some new expectations in the agency, how how the McDowell Center is, uh, anything new there, you know, just just any little little things that might be of interest to people out here listening. Well, um, one thing at the McDowell Center from July 10th to the 28th, we will be um, having the PATH program, mm -hmm. and that is a transition program that we hold during the month of July. We actually um, don't have any adults that come through the, the program. It's students that participate in it. And right now we have 17 applicants for oh the goodness. PATH program. So that's, that's a really good number. Now, we don't have all of them confirmed, of course. There's some that still have to get students that have to get their um, you know, paperwork on. And we partner with the University of Kentucky Visually Impaired Program. Um, they bring uh, students, and then also we have orientation and mobility um, interns that are present during that week. And we do pre-employment uh, skills as well as blindness skills mm -hmm. for the students. So we're, we're really excited about that. That's a the high, we, last year, well actually this is our third year but, um, to hold the PATH program. So that's Now these are students that are, are they in that 14 to 21 yes, they age are. group and they're all high school students? Yes, 
Okay. Yeah. This is not a program that's open to college students. Yeah. Well, they may be, um, you know, heading towards college. But yes, but they're not in college yet. No. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's really great because what, the first year there was something like eight? Yes. Yes, so that's really grown. And I think last year we had seven. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're really excited to see that grow. And we, you know, this doesn't have to do with McDowell, but we just finished the Insight program, which, of course, is the post-secondary ed program for high school students at Moorhead. It's a combined you know, collaborative with Kentucky School for the Blind and and the special ed co-ops at Moorhead last week, and there were 21 students um, that attended and completed the program, mm-hmm. you know, that were able to experience college life, um, you know, level classes. They stayed in the dorm and uh, participated in a lot of activities there. So that was a very good number of students there mm-hmm. as well. 21 is good. Um, I think for a long time they would average like around 10 mm-hmm. or 12, so they've got 21. That's 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 a very good attendance for that program. The other program that we have going on right now uh, with students is the summer work program um, that goes from June 19th through the 13th, and we do that in also in partnership with the Kentucky School for the Blind. And there are 18 students in that program this summer that are working at Kentucky Kingdom or the Louisville Zoo. Mm -hmm. Okay, and they stay at at KSB? Well, some of them do, but some of them are also at, you know, home as well. Oh, okay, live in Jefferson County. Yes. Uh-huh, mm-hmm. that are coming in. Mm-hmm. We And also this year, something new, we have one student that's working at APH during that program. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's they're paid, you know, they're paid more than minimum wage for up to 55 hours of work experience over the two-week program. Mm-hmm. So okay. they earn real money for real work. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> And, and and they probably hopefully uh, find out that it's it's there there are also sometimes real uh, fun real good things and there can also be some real problems associated with real work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, it's just not all uh, fun and games sometimes. So um, well, that's really good. Now at, at Kentucky Kingdom, um, what are some of the kinds of things that they do out there? Well, they do a variety of jobs there. It may be, you know, janitorial or it may be working in some of the food areas and all. So there's mm-hmm. a variety of say, jobs that they do there. Mm-hmm. Before I forget to mention this, because this is something new, um, last year we partnered um, with University of Kentucky's Deaf Blind Project. Mm-hmm. And this year we are doing that again and they actually also this week we have eight students who are deafblind that are participating in a program um, in Lexington Um, so it it, this program focuses on core curriculum for students who are deafblind so we have we had four students that attended that program last year that are returning and will act for mentors for the four new students. Mm-hmm. And so that program is also going on. So the month of June is a very busy. It certainly is. And July. Yes. Uh, program <laughs> month. 
Yep, yeah, especially um, in in the student related programs. And all these are programs that are for high school yes. uh, students or or kids that are just getting out of high school. In the case of the Insight program, the, those are students that are um, that that haven't gone to college yet, but they're correct. Thinking of, yes. Um, well, Cora, what if what if I'm not a high school student? What um, can we all go back and get in high school and participate in some of these fun things? <laughs> well, I am sure that, you know, the counselors have plenty of other activities that are going on on their, um, with individuals they're working with on their caseloads. And our independent living um, older blind staff um, actually are in Louisville the yesterday and today in a training. Um, Gay Panel, the program manager, is holding uh, a training for them the past couple of days. So mm -hmm. they are busy with caseloads as well. Cora, we get a lot of questions from people who are losing their vision about that program. Well, they don't know to specifically ask for that program, but they are people who call and are having problems, need someone to come out and help them in their home. So. Um, can we just talk a little bit about what that program actually offers? It's not something where they can go visit the person every week, but they can make a couple of in-home visits, correct? Yes, yes they can. Mm -hmm. Right now we have eight independent living and um, older blind staff that serve the whole, the entire state, so they're traveling a lot. And if any, Gay Panel is the program manager for that program, so if anyone ever has any questions, they can reach her in the Bowling Green office, and, you know, mm -hmm. that that number for the Bowling Green office is 270-746-7479, and, you know, they're... If they are, their vision is causing them enough problems that they are unable to see to do tasks, then I would encourage them to call and speak to her, and she can link them up with the right counselor in the right area. And, you know, they, they assist with, you know, coming out and marking. They may, may mark the microwave. They'll do an assessment and look at what the person needs in order to function independently in their home. And what specific issues they're dealing with and so it it's a great it's a great program it's small in size because the funding is so small uh, for that program and I was thinking about that yesterday with the aging baby boomers you would think that on a federal level they would be expending more funds to serve especially the older blind population but it's just a great great program if a person is, let's say, 30 years old and they're losing their vision, um, obviously their first stop would be with the vocational counselor. But can they also get uh, a visit from the independent living counselor to address maybe some home issues as well? Yes, they can. Yes, they can be in both programs. Mm-hmm. Okay, and do they need to do something special to to apply for both programs, or can they apply for the, both at the same time? 
they can speak to their voc rehab counselor and they would make the referral to the IL counselor. Okay. All right. So the person doesn't need to go through another separate process. No. And they don't have to, obviously, they don't have to be in the VR program to... To take uh, advantage of that. That, right. Uh-huh. Okay. We have a lot of individuals that are in the IL program that aren't in the VR program. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. And and that is available statewide. So, But we probably need to be sure that we let people know that um, because there's only eight people serving 120 counties in Kentucky, that it may take a little while for that counselor for, or for that IL person to get to the to get to each person. Yeah, there's a lot of travel involved. Um, each each of those eight people are serving many many cases, so it it can take it can take a little while for them to get to the to get to the referral. And and I always tell people too, Cora, if if they if they apply and they don't hear back for a reasonable in a reasonable amount of time, you know, if it goes. Well, I don't know what how you would define reasonable, but I've had some people call me and say, well, you know, I talked to them three months ago and I never heard back. And I said, well, you know, call again. Yeah. Because it is so easy with there being so many cases, whether it's a counselor or whether it's independent living or whatever, there's just a lot of cases and a lot of paperwork. It's just the nature of the beast. And... I encourage people to well, call back, you know, call and, and, and remind them because, um, you know, sometimes when you just have, when you're just overwhelmed with so many cases, it's easy to just kind of the one that you never hear from, the one that never calls, it's almost as if you feel that they aren't interested either. And it's easy, even though you don't mean to, it's easy for that one to get in the back of the file drawer. Yes. Certainly, and if, um, you know, I'm glad to take those calls as well and get them to the right person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I, I think that, you know, that we, we need to remind people um, often, often of, of the many resources that are available through the Office for the Blind, and um, it's really, I, I think it's really good that you're kind of right there in that sitting in that in that seat where you are because you have you've you know been there um, with your prior experience and then through um, all of the the processes with the plans and so on I mean you you know this program inside out well I appreciate that so. <laughs> and I care about it yes yeah and that's obvious that has always been obvious well, um, we are hoping that once again you'll be able to attend our state convention this year. We really congratulate you, Cora, and are glad that you are the acting director of OFB. Okay. Well, thanks a lot. Page three. Darren Harbour has been a guest on Soundprints before, and most recently he was a guest telling us about a new endeavor in the Louisville area called Imagine Blind Players. This is a blind theater troupe that Darren has created, and their first 
play. Their first season is now over, and we're going to talk to Darren about how successful it was. Welcome, Darren. Thank you so much for having me again, and hi to everybody out there. Darren, this play was just terrific. Um, you and your uh, actors performed it for our roundabout in May before you opened at the Bristol, which is, for those of you that don't live in Louisville, is a um, a very nice restaurant in the Louisville area that is very well known. And uh, if you perform at the Bristol, you know, it's no shabby deal. So, um, just bring us up to date on, on how this went. You did five weeks at the Bristol, and uh, let us know what, what happened there. Uh, it was a, it was so cool um, getting to perform in dinner theater fashion. Um, and as you know, in the show, there is uh, Table Walks, which is very unique to the whodunit KY Murder Mysteries, where we got the, the rights to the play from and the uh, sound and sound equipment that they helped us provide. Uh, the actors, most of them are beginner actors, and all of them are beginner in the aspect of getting to perform traditional style theater, despite the fact that we're all blind and visually impaired. Um, normally, uh, most blind people who get to perform are, uh, you know, more of a violin, singing, things like that. But with all the blocking we had and everything we learned this year, uh, everybody learned that their limitations are are. are there little to nothing. Um, our choreographer, our ballroom dance choreographer, attended the show last night in our clothing, and she was more than impressed and pleased with the teachings and the lessons she gave us back in November. Um, the voice work, of course, was there. Um, all the all of the characters that we played uh, were more than believable that they could possibly be the true us, which is a great compliment and very humorous as well. Um, You're, uh, let me stop you on that voice work and, and uh, on the accents that people had in the play. And um, just when you all came around, when you did this for a roundabout, of course, just like you would have done at the Bristol, you came around to the tables and the people were interacting with the audience and they were interacting in character. And that meant not only were they, of course, in their costume or whatever, but they were in character with their voice, too. And uh, I think that was a real interesting experience. You know, in a bunch, in a room full of blind people, most of us who knew most of the people in the theater group, um, it, it was still real different talking to them in character than it was talking to them in person. They just did a fantastic job with those, with those um, accents and things. It was wonderful. Thank you. And transatlantic, uh, and, and similar to British, but but not quite British. Uh, more or less American borrowed British, uh, but still very high class. Um, it, it set well to give you the idea that we were in Lady Anderley's mansion, in the back uh, in the back of her mansion at her garden party. Um, at the the show itself, there was a there was a couple of people um, who were blind that were very convinced at the way we spoke. And when we went back to our regular voices after the show last Friday, they thought, "Oh, I like you know, I like the other voices better. Those were, you know, those were cool." Um, <laughs> We, uh, the lessons we got, there was a, a great voice teacher from the University of Louisville, uh, which I performed with before, and uh, I, I just couldn't have asked for a better group of actors. Um, the commitment is there. 
I know a performer when I hear one. I, I definitely know how to pick a person for a uh, for a role. <laughs> and I'm a I'm a hard coach, but I'm a good coach nonetheless. And making sure that what however high you want to go in your performance level, I will definitely get you there. And I told my actors last night we were in the green room, and we were getting ready to go out to start the show. We had 53 people in the audience. Um, they were piling in, uh, although the rustle and bustle was about in the room. Um, they were excited, and I let them know, you know, you all are a different group of people than I met a year ago who at first was not sure that ballroom dancing and table walking without our canes and service dogs would be something that is possible or they, they would become comfortable with. And it's it's literally like... Um, it's nothing like it was in the beginning. Like it, it's almost like the con that conversation never even happened. Everybody got out there, cut some rug. Our formations in the dance sequence was perfect. Everybody was thoroughly impressed. There were people that were so impressed by the show they couldn't focus on following the clues for the murder itself. And then there were people that just couldn't wait to dance with us and ask us questions. Um, we had some wonderful people in the audience. We had family come in from out of town from some of, for some of the actors. We had. Uh, teachers from the Kentucky School for the Blind that were in attendance. Um, we had uh, some great friends that to do other productions uh, with the Who Done It uh, Murder Mysteries that were in the audience. And uh, people from Turner Circus where I performed, um, they were in the audience. So it just it was a great turnout. Uh, past audience members that came to Who Done It shows that I performed and uh, with sighted individuals, they wanted to see what I could do with my own crew, and uh, and, and they just loved it. Uh, everybody, they, they're asking for more. When's the next one? Uh, we can't wait, and, uh, and, 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 hey, we can't wait either for that matter. <laughs> well, uh, a lot of us can't wait. It was it was just fantastic. Um, Darren, the, the theater group practiced every week, um, and so this was not just something that they got together and did in a month. Uh, this was what about a six eight month progress project? Uh, it, it was it was about a, it was about a year. We spent mm -hmm. um, and and people are thinking, you know, oh, you had a whole year. Well, we oh, had but for all that you did, yes. one night a week, layers, yes. And every week, every month, every three months, it was almost like a school semester. We we took uh, I I taught voice work, I taught movement training, I hired movement specialists to come in. Uh, the ballroom dance lessons alone was about a two to three month process. We didn't actually start rehearsing the actual play itself until about mid January, um, and again that's once a week. And I, I pride ourselves that most theater companies use about 36 to 38 hours uh, towards rehearsal time to put on a production. So if you look at the amount of hours when we started rehearsing the actual show, we would we fit in right with that same hours of time frame rehearsing uh, once a week at the United Crescent Hill Ministry. So if a person is interested in participating in the next production, they need to not only be interested and be willing to try some new things, but they also need to make that time commitment. Yes, the time commitment definitely must be there. Uh, our next production will not have as much singing and dancing, uh, so we won't need an entire year. But I, but we do need that uh, that once a week commitment. Um, we do need that uh, the con uh, the the ability to be, to allow your confidence to be built and to be able to adapt. Uh, we have a positivity policy. 
we also have um, requirements, you know, that you've had some form of experience and performance before, and it's nothing that you're so uncomfortable with, um, you know, that, you know, and it's, and there's opportunities uh, that we know of to help people to get comfortable with theater and stage and performance uh, so that this isn't their first big show uh, right off the cuff. Uh, although all of my actors are new to, to this much theater, a lot of them have performed with uh, Braille Readers Theater at the American Printing House for the Blind. Um, a lot of them have sang in choirs in church. Uh, some of them play instruments and entertain in that fashion or sing. Um, and so it, it, it makes it, I don't want to say easier for me, but it makes it, I feel, easier for the performer uh, to have something to reference from. Right. I think what you're saying is that a person needs to have some experience in getting up there in front of people, not being intimidated by an audience. This is not training in how to, um, in, in, to in getting over that fear of getting up in front of a crowd. Yes. And it, now it will help with that, but it will right. add to what you already have. Yes. yes. But, you, you, but if the person is just, you know, has no background in getting up in front of people, you can't take them from square one and fit them into a play in that length of time. They need to start somewhere else. That's right. And, and, I, and I definitely am great at finding some segues for people to, get, to gain that experience. And I don't, and I work very one-on-one -on -one with everybody as an individual to help them to build whatever skills they feel they may be lacking in it. And it's definitely a unity. I, I told my group last night that we have built a unit, we've built a family, we've have a camaraderie, uh, and we have a professional, um, we have a professional setting. Uh, and, that's, and that's the biggest thing about our company. We are professional. We we take this very seriously, even though we have so much fun. Uh, and I expect all of that from everybody who's a part of it, whether it's a stage manager, whether it's a performer, whether it's an audio operator. I expect I have the same expectations for, ever, for all involved. Jerry, we're going to chat about a couple of other things um, and then come back to this but uh, and tell people about your next play and so on. But first of all, um, <laughs> I, I've... I was amazed yesterday when we got to Roundabout. We're recording this on uh, Saturday, June 24, and on June 23, when Roundabout started getting to Crescent, United Crescent Hill Ministries, there you were. You had been teaching some uh, little theater kind of skills in their uh, day camp for a couple of weeks, and, and there you were with, I don't know, 19 or 20 kids, and they were doing all these little, little short plays, scenes, whatever. Some of them were hilarious. I loved the dragon. I thought you were great on the dragon. <laughs> um, but, but other things were good, too. You had a little survivor thing, and the kids, you know, they knew who was involved and what was going on, and, and parents were there, and here you were, doing all of this from 3 to 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and your other group was going to be performing at the Bristol at 7 o'clock. I mean, I, oh, yeah. it was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I had just gotten out of a class at massage therapy school at 1 o'clock. I got home. I had enough time to throw something down my throat to get over to prepare the kids for their 3 o'clock show for their parents. And then I had the, and it's, of course it rained, uh, so it, in the 4 o'clock hour, my sister and my, my little brother helped me to load everything into my mom's SUV, and they took me to the Bristol to 
because I have to be there a lot earlier than everybody else. So I'm right. there at about 4.45 when everybody else is there about, you know, 5. So, you know, uh, yeah, so it was it was a long, 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 long night. I didn't get home until about 10.30, but uh, it was a long night well worth it. I slept great. <laughs> the, the kids were amazing. I've been working with them for two weeks. Uh, the United Crafts and Home Ministry has been so generous in allowing us to use their facility each and every week, which they are letting us continue to do um, uh, as we continue as a company uh, and having our rehearsal space. It's a fantastic location. And um, and so they talked to me and said, you know, we, we, you know, we have our, our community thing here. And my little brother and little sister were a part of their, um, were a part of their uh, community summer camp uh, years and years ago. And uh, last year, they asked me if, if I work with kids. And I'm like, well, you know, I do storytelling for kids. I do, do many things in theater with children. Uh, we did a little something last year, and I only had uh, one day to work with them. And they said, you know, because they found out about me a little later, but they said, we have plenty of time next summer. We want to make the two weeks of that arts week. And if you can show them different forms of, you know, theater and art and how wide that can go. Um, and we went with an improv show. We went through a series of acting games, um, scenarios, you know, really uh, working on your body voice, your imagination, your courage, uh, all these different things that, that you need to put on a show. And kids, of course, bring the enthusiasm, and they definitely bring the uh, dynamic of personality. Absolutely. They do. They were fantastic. I want to give a shout-out to my, ne- my nephew. Um, he is actually legally blind himself, and uh, he attended Braille Challenge this year. And he is a part of that uh, community group. We call ourselves the UCHM Imaginators, um, and he was a part of that. He was a part of that group. Um, uh, he he did really really well. There was another uh, young person in the group who's blind in one eye, and um, and they kept up with the other kids uh, just the same as anybody else. They they did an excellent job. Everybody kept their voices up. Uh, they got a little nervous in front of the parents at times, uh, which was to be expected. Because uh, I tell you, when I have them in that room upstairs with the other uh, with the other volunteers, it's like, oh man, these kids. Uh, I don't know how we're going to get them to calm it down so that we can hear everything. But you know, we get to the show, and sometimes we have to get them to speak up. But they got pretty comfortable after the first scene, and the voices were definitely up there. They were showing the parents exactly what they've been showing us, which is a world of their imagination. I thought the uh, little courtroom scene that you did, the little mock trial, that was fun. And uh, there were just so many cute little things in that hour. It was like little short, different little short scenes and all designed around things in such a way that they were just of interest to kids. And uh, it it was a fabulous little thing. Um, Also, just to remind people... Um, Darren is a 2006 graduate of the Kentucky School for the Blind. Darren, you, when you were at KSB, had considerably more vision than you have now, uh, but you did an awful lot of cheerleading and gymna- almost gymnastics kind of things, dancing. Yes, yes, yes. and dancing and uh, wrestling, anything KSB had to offer in forensic I was all over it, and I, w- I would say that that's what really segued me into being a performer as an adult. You know, after you leave KSB, you know, you take you you t- you, you tend to take for granted having everything at your fingertips, uh, no pun intended, at, at the school. And um, and so when I graduated, it was it was heartbreaking for more than enough reasons. But one major one was I need something to do. You know, I I'm used to having a very tight schedule at the school. I'm going from track practice, cheerleading practice to uh, tutoring to uh, an out a, a, an away dorm trip, 
you know, all these different things. And I needed something to do. And I found break dancing. I found modeling. Um, and I'm a pretty persistent person. You know, I, I, you want to get something done, you really got to kick some doors down you know, uh, to, to make it happen. <laughs> and I would say that all the experiences I have have led me to be able to lead others. Mm-hmm. Um, to conquering their goals and their dreams and aspirations. Right. And, of course, in since leaving KSB, um, you have RP, and so you've lost quite a bit of vision, but that has not stopped this this um, urge, desire uh, to, to use this talent you have in different ways in the theater. And I, I, I just, the 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 proof is certainly in what has come out of this play. I mean, it's really, it takes a talented leader to produce something um, like you have done here with, with all the performers. Let's, let's move quickly to talking about that next play. Tell us about it, how people can get involved if they want to, um, and, and just give us an introduction to what's coming up here on, on, in later this year. Well, it's, it's, uh, we're starting just as soon as Wednesday. Um, anybody uh, having any interest and uh, would need to call me uh, or email me for an interview, uh, my phone number being 502-619-0980, uh, or email me at imagineblindplayers at gmail.com. Uh, anyone who's having a, of any interest, then we would do an interview uh, to make sure that everything will be a good fit, and, um, and we will have our first meeting Wednesday, so I would need those contacts before then. However, but our next show, well, we found that we really love comedy. Um, our voices really carry for comedy. Um, I did stand-up comedy for a while myself, so I have lots of new things to teach uh, to prepare for a show such as this one. Um, and the show uh, that I think we're going for is called California Suite. Um, it's a play that's uh, based in a hotel room, and it's four vignettes of different uh, scenes and scenarios of relationships. Um, and then in, in situations, so it's, it's very much a, a situational comedy, uh, which I think we're going to tend to favor more, more or less at a time. Um, that show goes up December second uh, is the date I'm looking at. Early, early December is mm-hmm. what we're looking at to perform. So rehearsals will be every Wednesday uh, up until then. Okay. Um, yeah. And and wh- do you know where that show will be yet? Um, I'm looking at a few different places. Uh, I'm looking at Letter Song, which is on Story Avenue, and it's a really nice, uh, intimate mm-hmm. setting. I think it seats up to 60 people. It's uh, really intimate, uh, which is what I'm going for. Uh, however, I really am trying to, I'm going to also explore some hotels, uh, since it is uh, set in a hotel room, and, and see what I could do in that regard. I mean, that would be a little bit more expensive, but I want... But I want to see maybe if there are some that are not as expensive. Um, I think a hotel setting would set the decor very, very well. Uh, so, that, so that's what I'm looking. And what I like about this show, because there's four separate, um, basically four small plays uh, combining into one big play, um, it's going to give everybody an opportunity to really have a good amount of lines and shine. Yeah, Letter Song is a is a pretty nice venue. Michael Cleveland plays down there sometimes. In fact, he has a show coming up, a bluegrass show um, with uh, another player named Brian Allen, another blind guy over in southern Indiana coming up real soon. Oh. This this sounds just really fun, and I'm sure that you will keep us 
up to date on what is going on as things progress toward this next show. And uh, it's great to be able to look forward to another play before the end of the year rather than having to wait a whole year to have it happen. Oh, definitely. And, and like I said before, with us not having to do the ballroom lessons and, and those kinds of layers, um, I'm looking at our season uh, probably sticking with that June to December time frame where we start rehearsing and such in June and welcoming in new people and then performing in December. Um, now, as far as our, uh, our old people, old people with goodies, um, um, they, they get kind of a vacation in July, um, about three weeks off. And during that time period, the new actors that will come in uh, will work with me one-on-one -on -one in training on voice work, um, mobility and stage, um, and other uh, various uh, introductory things that you would need to know for a traditional theater company that welcomes all blocking and no limitations. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and going over a, a lot of basic fundamentals and, and to help them be prepared so that when we start rehearsal with the entire crew in um, early August, everybody is, you know, on the same, you know, starting block. Right. Uh, there was no worse experience growing up in school, being blind, and always feeling behind. And I don't want anyone to ever feel that within this company. Well, congratulations. We're really proud of this new group that has formed and the, the wonderful performance that you all treated everyone to um, in the last six weeks about. And I'm just really looking forward to, to December so we can see another, another play. Darren, before we go, give us your phone number and your email address again so people can get in contact with you not a problem my name is darren harbour and if you would like to be show me of interest and interview with me on being a part of imagine blind players in our next production please call me at 502-619-0980 or send me an email at imagineblindplayers at gmail.com thank you APH's Nearby Explorer is a full-featured GPS app for iOS and Android devices that empowers users to travel with confidence. It uses GPS and your phone's compass to speak real-time information about your surroundings, including millions of points of interest in the U.S. and Canada. Nearby Explorer is available on Google Play and on the App Store. Send to Braille is a free tool for creating a Braille file quickly in Windows. It adds a shortcut to your Send to Folder menu. Once installed, simply point to a file, right-click, select Send to, select Braille, to create a quick Braille file instantly. Download Send to Braille from the American Printing House for the Blind at tech.aph.org lt. Page 4, The Sound Prince Calendar. On June 28, the Bluegrass Council of the Blind will have its peer support group meeting from 12 to 2 p.m. at the BCB office, 1093 South Broadway in Lexington. Call 859-259-1834. June 30 through July 7 is the 56th annual ACB Conference and Convention. ACB Spark Success. There will be exhibits, workshops, tours, programs, friends, and lots of fun at the Nugget Casino and Resort in Sparks, Reno, Nevada. 
Call 800-648-1177 and ask for group code GACB17 to make hotel reservations. Convention pre-registration closes on Tuesday, June 20. For more information about the convention and to pre-register, visit www.acb.org. July 9, KCB Next Generation Meeting, 8 p.m. by conference call, 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. July 11 is the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired Meeting, 1 to 3 p.m. Central Time at the Owensboro Health Park Chapel, 1006 Ford Avenue in Owensboro. For more information, call Rick Bogus at 270-684-4418 or Bill Roberts at 270-485-8170. July 13 is the next support group meeting sponsored by the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision. 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. Call 502-895-4598 for more information. July 13 is also the next conference call meeting of the Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind, 7 p.m. at 605-475-4700, enter code 155619. For more information, call Jerry Slusher at 859-781-7369. July 14 is a GLCB roundabout. There will be education and technology beginning at 3.30, discussion time at 5, dinner at 6, $5 per person, bingo at 7, $2 per person, and games and crafts until 10 p.m. At United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville, 895-4598 to sign up. July 15 is a Braille for the Sighted workshop at the American Printing House for the Blind Museum. 10.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. This is the second of two workshops, and it gives you a chance to learn Braille basics and practice writing on a Braille slate and a Braille writer. This is a great activity for kids 6 and up. It's free, but registration is required. At the Printing House, 1839 Frankfurt Avenue in Louisville, call 502-899-2213 for more information and to register. July 16 is the KSB Alumni Board Meeting by conference call at 8 p.m. 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. July 17 is the KCB Board Meeting at 7.30 p.m. on the same conference line. July 20, there will be a KCB Convention Planning Committee Meeting at 7.30 p.m., also on the same conference line. July 21, GLCB Roundabout. The schedule will be a little different for this roundabout. Education and technology begin at 3.30. A clinic on first aid for guide dogs and other dogs, 4.30 to 6.30. Discussion time at 5. Dinner at 6.30. $5 per person. Games and crafts from 7.30 until 10. At United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville, call 502-895-4598 to sign up. 
July 24, Guide Dog Users of Kentuckyana will have their next membership conference call at 7 p.m. on the line at 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. July 26 is the Bluegrass Council of the Blind Peer Support Group meeting, noon to 2 p.m. at the BCB office, 1093 South Broadway in Lexington, RSVP two days in advance, or call 859-259-1834 for information. July 27 is the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision Support Group. It will meet from 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville, 502-895-4598 for more information. And there will be a GLCB roundabout on July 28. It will have the Normal schedule, education and technology at 3.30, discussion at 5, dinner at 6, and games and crafts from 7 to 10. At United Crescent Hill Ministries, call 502-895-4598 to register. July 29 is a Bards and Storytellers event at the American Printing House for the Blind, 1 to 3 p.m. This is an afternoon of entertainment that in the past has featured popular art, folklore, and performance series that celebrates entertainment industry traditions of people with vision loss. In addition to the performance, attendees will learn about the personal events and forces that shaped each performer's career. For more information on this year's Bards and Storytellers, call the APH Museum at 899-2213. And on August 4 and 5, the Kentucky School for the Blind Alumni Association will hold its 72nd Annual Alumni Conference and Reunion at the Ramada Inn North, 1041 Zorn Avenue in Louisville. More details on next week's sound prints. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Sound Prints. Have a great week, everybody.